I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. (laughs) This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and, of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Steve Sippel. Let's try it again, gentlemen. We are uh, not only live on all of our great affiliates, statewide radio, and the podcast channels for Husker Online, but you can watch us on the Husker Online YouTube channel as well, as many of you did last week, and we enjoyed the comments. Um, And no, that's not Robert Redford over there. That is Steve Sippel. If you got confused, striking resemblance. Yeah, all it is is a nose thing. I mean, if I got a nose job, it would be Robert Redford, <laughs> right? Oh yeah, no yeah, doubt. sure, I can see it. I mean, I got a big nose. <laughs> but let's let's get into the show. Uh, one week away, National Signing Day. Um, Nebraska continues to add to this roster. Um, they're pushing thirty-seven players right now. Scholarship players added to the football team. Um, very good chance they can get to 38 here by signing day, if not more. Um, it, it just I, I think we all had an idea of what this was going to look like under Matt Rule in terms of just the players that he was going to add to this team. Mm. Um, but it's it's been even greater. I mean, you look at the numbers today, they're at 26 commits and then 11 transfers uh, today. That's 37 players. A year ago, they were at 34. That was the record at Nebraska Bill Callahan's transition class year of 2005 was 32. Okay. Um, and that was back in the days of the 25 cap, and you had to do the count backs and whatnot to get to that number. So Annual was, cap. The annual camp uh, cap, yeah. but you could count back. So if you had seven you didn't use the year before, you yeah. could count them the next year. Um, so for Callahan to get 32 in that era was unheard of. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now here we are at 37, probably going to need a 38. Um, was Sue Lafatu, uh, who's going to make his announcement uh, on signing day. He announced that Brian Munson and him talked on Tuesday night. He'll announce uh, next week on Wednesday. That would be 38 guys added to this football team, Steve Sippel. 38 guys. That's a, yeah. I have not honestly pondered the big picture too much because you're so wrapped up in the kind of the guy by guy he committed. I think as, as the days go on, I'll look at it more in a big picture sense. It is striking the amount of work they're doing it's striking to me um well it's striking to me something you said sean by the way great numbers uh for context i mean that that was really important um something you said i heard you on the radio this week say of the kids i mean of the incoming freshmen probably only a couple look like contributors so it's, it's odd. You know, we always talk about this roster flip. I don't see this as a roster flip. There's too many guys. It's a long-term return. play. It's a right. long-term play, yeah. Long-term play. They're laying the foundation. Yeah. And, Sean, I don't know if you've been asked yet today, but how are they going to get down to 85? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make sure that make sure that you had to answer and that. what happens if they don't? Okay. <laughs> There's not even like, an NCAA anymore. Is, 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 is <laughs> on the YouTube screen, we need to have like a little Roman numeral thing that just tracks the times that we talk about getting to 85. That's number one on the side there. The there's, there's this sort of built-in part of the discussion that Nebraska would be in big trouble if they did. I, who's, I guess, the NCAs. You know how they get down to 85? They call up 1890 and Tom Pede and say, hey, we got a few guys. We got yeah, to put on, a few 20. extra scholarships. But honestly, that's out. maybe one way. Right? Guys, that's what they did last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trent Hickson was a walk-on last year. Brody Belt was a walk-on. Wyatt Lever was a walk-on. Uh, Colton Feast was a walk-on. Wow. You know, the long snappers. They put those guys all on walk-on situations, um, you know, down the road in, in the program. So NIL has changed this. The thing is, they're not going to be very public about that. They're not going to say, and the way we got down to 85 is thanks to our great collective. They're not going to do that. Uh, but but that that's – that's, that's part of it. That's part of it. It's a, it's a strategy you have to utilize. Some guys will just matriculate after spring. Mm-hmm. 
yeah. there might be an injury. There's a whole other round of attrition coming. Yeah. I mean, that's how it always happens. There's the right after the season, there's right after spring ball, and then there's right before fall camp normally where you, know, you get more roster movement. It always figures itself out. So I just tongue-in-cheek asked you that. But what I do want to discuss is oh. with all these additions, wide receiver has now <laughs> taken the cake as the most surprising development, in my opinion, just okay. with the sheer numbers that they've added yeah. – to that room, um, you know, obviously most recently getting Demetrius Bell, but I mean, just that the the work that they've done at that position group, which is the, the irony here is how much fretting was going on with uh, McGuire taking over uh, as receivers coach, and now all of a sudden that looks like maybe one of the deepest units on the entire team. What do you guys think about the additions, and and where, where do they go forward from here? I just want you to chew on this, Steve Sipple. They're at sixteen wide receivers on 16. scholarship right now. That's more scholarship players than John Cook has on his volleyball team, <laughs> than Amy Williams has on her basketball team, than Ronda Ravel has on her softball wow, team, gosh, than Will Bolt has on his baseball team. Yes. They got 16 wide receivers on scholarship. <laughs> Think about that. That's wild. Well, I mean, they, and they'll probably play nine, you know, ten. It makes some sense. Um, there are a lot of young guys in there. I mean, how many of those? Is it six incoming freshmen? Is that the number? Six yeah. freshmen. Yeah, six incoming freshmen. So two not all transfers. Yeah, two guys coming back from the portal. Yeah, I mean the question is who's number one? I mean who's your clear? I don't know. I don't know that you can say who their clear cut number one is. My money's on Billy Kemp today. It's a, yeah. it, it's, I've, I, I think of that as an unconventional number one, and Eddie's five nine one seventy two. And now I will say this: Virginia didn't just play him in the slot; they played him all over. Yeah, I mean they lined him up in the backfield. I just I don't know. You guys are. We all think about football in different ways. And when I think of a number one, I think of a 6'3", 210-pounder, 195-pounder. I think of Xavier Betts. You know, ideally, Betts would say, okay, this is it now. I'm, I'm making a push for the NFL. And, and Betts would become your number one. You know, that's what the idea I think be. you're getting a little ahead of yourself, though, not knowing yeah. – the mental and yes. the physical shape that he's going to yeah. be in. I oh, mean, I, I understand where you're I mean, Marcus you, Washington's going to be in that discussion as well. Right. He's not – I mean, he's good. I like him. He he's had 31 catches. Two. He had 31 catches last year. He, he's a number two in my mind, though. Okay. I mean, Palmer's number one. Palmer's a number one. Samori Teres a number one. I don't know if Washington could would get you the kind of numbers that you would need to classify him as number one. Maybe. I like Maybe. him. Don't get me wrong. I like him because he's tough. Um, doesn't drop anything. And it's we'll, hard to be number one. We'll go over middle. But, yeah, I mean, I think when – he just doesn't fit the prototype number one. Neither does Kemp. But somebody's got to be – Do any of them? I mean, somebody's – no. No, somebody's got to be number one, though. You're right. I just wish it was bets. Billy Kemp, though, has the reception numbers and the targets of a number one mm -hmm. in his career. In his career. Yeah. you got to admit that. Oh, I know. He's interesting. I watched his film. He's interesting. They use him in a lot of ways. They don't – you don't often seem just run a go route, though, and catch the ball over a six-foot-two corner. You don't see that all that often. But you seem used in a variety of ways. I mean, and they will – you know, they'll, they'll throw it over to the – over the middle of the field to him when they need a first down. They'll throw those little flare-out screens and make him beat one guy and get upfield. Um He's good catch. He's a good catch and run guy. So yeah, he'll be. I mean, he's gonna catch a lot of passes. There's no doubt about that. This week, Nebraska though, going on the subject of new roster additions, there were uh, four of them. Um, Art Gilbert, obviously, late last week, but this week, Ishmael Smith Flores, the tight end out of Arlington Martin, his teammate Jeremiah Charles out of Arlington Martin, Jacob Hood, the third Georgia Bulldog. Uh, transferring to Nebraska, big six foot eight tackle. Then Demetrius Bell, a Nashville wide receiver. All four of those are the latest additions. How about the Corn Dogs? Remember Mark Richt when uh, his family was in Bellevue and, and they had the nickname for being Georgia Bulldogs in Nebraska. They called themselves the Corn Dogs, and <laughs> the corn the Corn Dogs are back. They're already yeah. selling shirts. You can buy a Corn Dog shirt. Yeah, all those guys are. All those guys are. <laughs> Where's your shirt, Rob? All those no, I didn't guys wear mine today. Are intriguing in their own way. Uh, Jacob Hood, I see. I've seen some people kind of pencil him as in no. the starting left tackle. That's a big develop. He's he's point. I mean, he's he's only played one season of college football. He never played. He redshirted. He's his next snap in a college game will be his first one. 
he's his size is alluring. I mean, he's just got to he's a project, I think. Is that his playing weight, you think? Three sixty. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying, like, is that? I mean, does he have work to do? I I don't know. Just what I've seen. Is this basically Jalen Weaver again? Yeah, I that's mean, that's no, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah, well, I'm I just saying, it, like, it's hard to play at that weight and wow. move. Uh, you're right. I, I think he probably three forty. His body looks pretty good. I mean, um, I don't know. It, again, I don't I don't necessarily look at him as a transfer that's got to come in and play right away. I know that's what you do, but he's a young guy. He's a young transfer. Uh, the other ones are they're fascinating. Uh, the tight end from Georgia's obviously, man. I mean, watch him. He's he's awesomely talented. He's a, he was a highest ranked tight end since the ratings began, right? Um, and then and then the pass rusher. The the critical thing with him will be as he regained the explosion, all of his explosion from a knee injury suffered in high school. That's what. That's what like scouts wonder. That's what those guys, coaches down south wonder. Is he going to ever regain that explosiveness? You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we wake our way through opening headlines. Uh, Matt Rule is everywhere. Uh, I, I was just on my like regular personal Facebook feed, and just people I know in Omaha had pictures of him everywhere. He was at Brother Sebastian's restaurant. Really? He was in all these different Omaha high schools, including my alma mater, Omaha Gross, Go Cougars, yeah. uh, Bellevue East, Bellevue West, Papillion, La Vista South. Over there? Wow. Um, like my, my uncle's nephew, his wife's a principal or assistant principal at uh, Papillion South. And Matt Rule retweeted a picture uh, with Jessica Prusha, my, my uncle Dan's um, ne- nephew's wife at Papillion South, and then he was at Stella's Hamburgers. Remember, I took you to Stella's. Yeah, Stella's good. What's Brother Sebastian? It's a steak. It's an old-school Omaha steakhouse. Where's that at? Uh, it's off of Pacific Street, I believe, and in West Omaha. Oh, West Omaha. Yeah. Gary Saddlemeyer had been, like, a longtime spokesman for them over the years. Um, he was kind of always done their commercials, but he was in there for a lunch on Monday. He was hitting slap shots at Baxter Arena with Trev Alberts. Um, Sounds on the like he's got ice. a fun job to me. I mean, it – Right now, he, he is in the full kind of wedding reception stage of the job. What do you think about the not just rule, <laughs> but the staff and the efforts that they've made in literally going to what seems like every high school in the state, every small town in the state, with all these things that they need to do on the recruiting front, the transfer portal, all that sort of stuff, that they're devoting this much time, effort, resources to getting out and making their presence in the state, putting stickers on mm-hmm. high school walls and, and taking pictures with coaches, with athletic directors, mm-hmm. going to small town restaurants, like basically ingraining themselves in the state. I mean, obviously that, that was a, a priority for them, but is it surprising just how much of an effort they've made in that regard? Well, Trev said last night, Trev Alberts, on the AD on radio, statewide radio, that the the staff's work ethic has surpassed his expectations. Mm. I don't take it for granted. Mm-hmm. I, and if I were a Nebraska fan, I wouldn't take it for granted. I think that they're, I think they're just working incredible hours. And, and as you said earlier, Robin, it kind of goes along with laying a foundation. Mm-hmm. That's what they're doing mm-hmm. in a sense. I mean, you're building those relationships right off the bat. It's, I like it. I mean, it's a, it's a very good look. What it shows me, I mean, because – People ask, like, why didn't Frost go out to this level? You know, he kind of did, but he didn't want to be seen in public. He didn't want to take a lot mm-hmm. of pictures with people and, and do some of the things that you're seeing, like, you know, Ed Foley's doing on Twitter. Mm-hmm. His personality was different. Bo Pelini's personality was different. Mike Riley. Um, he, he liked doing that stuff. He liked, but just didn't go at that level. I mean, never. I'll never, the satellite camp tour that Mike Riley went on was intense because I went on every one of those trips. Like, we went... I was gone for nine straight days. Yeah, Riley was good about getting out. Yeah, I mean, is he, the saddle, he was comfortable. He did a lot of that too, um, but this is just common sense, like understanding. It is, it is, but it's complicated. I think it's complicated by personality. It, it begs a question. I would ask you guys: if you're an AD, now I will tell you. I'll just put it this way: if I were a Nebraska AD, because of the nature of this job, I would lean toward hiring guys that are comfortable in public and if you're not and that's clear it's not it can't be the only determining factor but it would be a factor you can't hide here i mean you're the most high profile person in the state and like if you're uncomfortable being recognized and people want to talk to you and take pictures 
maybe this isn't the job for you. That's right. Go he, go coach at some. Well, I'll give you an example. I mean, when Pelini, he he looked at the Miami job. You guys remember that when he looked at the Miami job, and a lot of the appeal was, I can go to Miami and not be recognized. Well, I mean, that's what Frost loved about UCF. He'd yeah. go to the store, no one had any idea who he was. Like right. he was just a regular guy in Orlando. Right. In defense of Frost, I mean, I remember talking to him about it before he took the job. That was one of his big concerns was, I don't really feel comfortable in all, in all that limelight. Mm-hmm. And it ended up being it, kind of a detriment to him in the end. Yeah, it did. It did. It, now, Because as the knew, pressure grew, he got more isolated. And that's the, Now, that's the question as an AD you have to wrestle with. Does it, is it a detriment at Nebraska? I think it is. Yeah, I believe I it is too. Because it's, it's that important. Right. I don't I, – So what do you do? There's some places where you can be an introvert no head doubt. coach and no be doubt. pretty – Pretty fine. You can't do it here. You got to take it on. And I I think having Ed Foley out there in person has been big. And I was with one of my friends who used to be a Bellevue West coach. He's now a a middle school administrator in Bellevue. And he said, Foley's the perfect guy um, to have out doing this because he's older. He's been around the block. Like you can tell he genuinely enjoys going to these places. Like, and no, like I'm not going to name names, but like a younger coach. If you're like a 28 or 32 year old assistant, you may you probably aren't going to appreciate it maybe to the level like a guy like Foley is. So I think Foley is probably the perfect guy to have out in this role because uh, he's going to he's he's focused on a state. Yeah, and you, you worry about Nebraska. You're a special teams coach. Mm-hmm. You know, you worry about Nebraska. This is perfect for you, and then well, everybody, everybody else will come in around you. Well, one reason is because you can you can load your special teams with walk-ons. Mm-hmm. I mean, those guys that run down on kickoff coverage. I mean, you can have 28 guys, 28 walk-ons ready to roll. You can be five deep, you know. That's that's important. All right, when we come back, we're going to shift our focus to Texas. Texas is back on the Nebraska roster. I'm going to share you some very interesting numbers about Nebraska and the state of Texas next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washette. Before I get to uh, talking some Texas numbers on Nebraska, this segment of the show is brought to you by Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill, 30th and Yankee Hill Road. I stopped in there, had friends in town from Omaha on Saturday, Matt and Randy and their wives and Lisa and I, we stopped in there, caught the tail end of um, the, the the evening playoff game. Oh, And I won't get into those details, Robin Washington. God, Rob. That's no, all right. You watched more of it than I did. Um, but... <laughs> Why'd you have to bring that up? Yeah, no place kidding. is buzzing. Uh, lots We're of people a good in there show. watching. How's that Mahomes ankle doing? <laughs> Just fine. As we <laughs> no, it's not. Straight. He's got a high ankle sprain, yeah, Sean. I mean, he, who, yeah, watch sitting him, duck. Watch him try to move in a pocket. <laughs> the Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill, 30th in Yankee Hill Road. Great wings. Get in there for all the football action uh, this weekend. All the Nebraska basketball, men's and women's games. Uh, that's a great place to go watch games. But let's talk Texas. Uh, I, these numbers yeah. really, and I'm a numbers nerd, as you guys know. I really I love dive into the data, and we it's no secret Texas had kind of fallen off Nebraska since they had joined the Big Ten, and really there hadn't been much of a geographical identity. They've tried Florida, they've tried California, they towed in Georgia, o- Georgia. They've gone in Ohio, but nothing that's ever been just like a full commit. And now it feels like Texas is back, and I think these numbers really back it up. With six recruits right now in the class of 2023, uh, this is the most members from the state of Texas Nebraska has had since joining the Big Ten in 2011, and it's the most they've signed since 2008 um, when they signed eight from that year. And in 2000, um, so you, you go back and study the numbers from 2007 to 2009. Nebraska averaged eight players from Texas per class, guys like Rex Burkhead, um, you go down the line. they got a lot of great players from Texas. Um, 
they're kind of trending back to that six to eight kids from Texas per year. Who else? Who else? Can you off the top? I, I know you hate it. Uh, Aaron Green. Aaron Green would have been another one. Good, uh, one. Star. good one. I mean, there's been there were a lot of guys. The, the Osborne twins. Good one. Good one. Um, and, and that was the 08 class. When they Lakeven, came well, Lakeven Smith was Georgia. Oh, oh, yeah, you're right. He's from Georgia. All right. Well, anyway, yeah, in, in Rule, in Bustin' with the boys, explained why in, why they're doing it in part, Sean. Why? I, mean, I, I thought it was fascinating, and this makes a lot of sense. You look at college football, the mm-hmm. way the game has changed with conference realignment, and it changed with Nebraska. It changed for Nebraska. But it's going to change even more going forward when Texas and Oklahoma leave the Big 12 – to go to the SEC, then Cincinnati, BYU, Central Florida, um, those programs will join the Big 12 Conference. And that really changes everything in that league now moving forward uh, because it's not a geographical car league around Texas, like other than obviously West Virginia. Uh, but, you know, families in the Big 12 are like, hey, we can get to all of our kids' games. It's going to change in that league now forever. So, Leagues like the SEC and the Big Ten, I think they've got a great opportunity, especially with the NIL and the financial resources that this league is going to offer over the other leagues. Do you think right, this, this is a surprise? I mean, like this, we should have expected this, just given the connections Matt Rule and the staff have in Texas, and then obviously hiring Bob Wager. I mean, that was an instant pipeline oh, there. Garrett McGuire. Garrett McGuire. And so, like, I mean, like this is all kind of set up for this to happen. Like, with, like – I mean, I, I don't think it should be a surprise that te- Texas was the emphasis state for this staff that, it, that it's already become. But, um, you know, looking ahead, I mean, do you think that this is something that, um, like, this is every year you expect these types of numbers to yeah. where, you're, like, you're looking at six or more? Six year. or more? I don't know about six or more, but it's because of what you just said, I do. I mean, there's, these guys have connections. Here's, a, here's, why, here's why it makes sense. I mean, you've, you guys, you've covered recruiting, you talked to coaches. It can lead to a more streamlined process. It, it can be much more efficient. If you have guys in Texas that you know, and you can call a guy at a high school and say, hey, that running back looks good. And that coach, can, that, coach that you trust, that you've dealt with for years, says, get him. Just do it. Yeah, he can play, and you'll have no problems. You know how much, you know how much time that can save? Mm-hmm. If you have guys that you can just go to, and, and it's one phone call, and they say, do it. Just do it. Trust me. That, that, you know, that can save a lot of time. Well, Jeremiah, that's, that's one thing we're talking about. Well, and Jeremiah Charles and Ishmael Smith-Flores are a perfect example of that to a different level. But do you think Bob Wager doesn't know, like, what kind of players they are? Absolutely. Do you think Bob Wager is going to, like, take bad players on his first Power 5 oh. college job? He grabs no. a tight end. No, absolutely not. I, you're right, Sean. You're right. I mean, that he knows those kids. He knows their he he knows how they can play, but he also knows their personality. They're reliable. Are they reliable kids? Yeah, he knows. And by the way, I watched Ismael Smith Flores. I mean, you watch him, and it's it's almost startling that that's his first year of football. He didn't play it as a until a week before football of his senior year. That's when he decided to go out. He looks like a guy that's played it his whole life. I mean, he's, a, he's clearly a natural athlete, and he's clearly a natural pass catcher, and he's really good with absorbing contact. I mean, it's like, yeah, he'd never guess he was just a basketball player. Isn't it funny, and Robin, you're a basketball guy, but there's so many kids that want to play basketball growing up. It's fun. It's easy. You travel. It's easier in football. You, you, you do all these cool sponsored shoe events everywhere, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of six-foot, six-foot-two type kids and then all of a sudden they say, I'm going to play football. And then they go power five. I mean, it's crazy. Athletes. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing. There's certain positions and certain body types that just translate perfectly with basketball. And then now the modern era of football. I mean, you start like way back in the day with like Antonio Gates, Tony Gonzalez, those types. But now it's, it's like frequent where you're seeing basketball players that, you know, kind of tap out on that end and decide to give football a crack and they turn out that their their skill set their athleticism fits perfectly to that sport and i think it's there's more crossover than ever mm-hmm. between basketball skills and football skills just with the way football has kind of shifted to yeah. more it's less of the uh, basketball trenches on grass exactly exactly yeah. especially with some That's of the modern call. offenses yeah so ismael smith flores is a really good example 
because he's six five. Now he's six five. That's good. That's good in high school. He's a forward, mm-hmm. right? Six five forward in college. Nope. Not, maybe not long enough now. Time a dozen. Yeah, better. You better maybe look at football at six foot five. Mm-hmm. And he did. And I invite you to watch his film and and tell me if that looks like a first year football player. I can see what now he's got. A, he'll have a ways to go compared to some of the guys, but other guys have played it for a long time. But I mean, you can see the raw talent. Well, Jeremiah Charles too. I mean, forty inch vertical. Oh. Five, four, five. He said he had five in the game that rules that. I read four is what um, I heard from somebody else on the game that rule went to. But he's gone forty-seven, four in a triple jump as a junior, and he's he's pushed fifty in practice. He said, but his. I was talking to um, uh, somebody affiliated with the Nebraska track program, and they said that forty-seven, four, you know, would get in, in in that area would get you in contention to score points in the Big Twelve or in the Big Ten in track. So he's a dynamic athlete. He wants to do track too, yeah. and so you got you got several guys: Bryce Turner, Malachi, uh, Malachi Coleman. Um, you know that are all going to take part in the track. Joshua Fleeks, Brian Munson had a great breakdown of, of these numbers today in his three and out column on Husker Online, just with with the track and, and what some of these guys are going to bring to the table. And Malachi Coleman ran ten four six. Jalen Lloyd ten four three. Bryce Turner ten two five. Joshua Fleeks. 10 4 6. Mm-hmm. And then you bring in now somebody like Jeremiah Charles, who's gone 47 4 in high school in a meet in the, in the triple jump. Bryce Turner's gone 10 2 5. Yeah, he's the fastest in the country. Oh, mm. boy. That's mm. Palmer. That's, that's, like, that's, 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 uh, uh, who's that guy they just had? Trey. Trey, yeah. Like Trey Palmer. That's Bryce, Trey Palmer. Bryce Turner has a chance to win state, state Texas this year. Really? Yeah. Or seriously? Yeah. Yeah, I think he's second last year in the overall state. Yeah, that's a guy you'd year. like if he can play football at all. Well, he had decent. I mean, he did. Yeah. But that's the Evan Cooper kind of formula that he goes with. I mean, and Matt Rule believes in Evan Cooper and, and the way that he kind of builds off those types of variables. You could see, I mean, that's, that Trey Palmer speed, I mean, that was, it was really noticeable <laughs> what he was able to do against certain teams, Purdue and Iowa come to mind. I mean, that whole, I'll always remember that Whipple saying that whole game plan at Iowa was built around Palmer, Palmer being able to beat them deep. Man, I mean, your whole game plan is built around beating a team like Iowa deep, which doesn't allow the deep ball. Mm-hmm. It's pretty amazing. They, do, they prevent the deep ball right. as well as any team in the country more often than not. But that's how fast. That's how fast that – I mean, you got a 10-2 guy. You got a couple of them. It can be, really be a problem. They got a four-by-one team. Yeah. I mean, they really do when you, when you break down That's the numbers. sort of exciting. But here's the thing. Yeah, I know. We, we haven't mentioned. We don't talk about it enough, by the way. They haven't gotten the big guys. Yeah. I mean, they haven't gotten the big guys on the line. They haven't gotten them on the offensive line. We don't talk about it enough. I got to write about it. And then finally, guys, I do want to hit on this. Um, Trev Albert shared on his show, Nebraska will stick with morning practices. Um, according, that's what the football – it's not Trev Albert. That's what the football program wants to do. Um, does that do anything for – I mean – Do I, fans care about that? The, I, I don't know, um, but I don't think so. Yeah, <laughs> they don't. Yeah, it, I think they maybe do a little, but well, I think there was some thought anybody. that they were going to go back to the old style. Frost pushed for the mornings; he got him. Riley wanted the mornings; he couldn't get him. And Frost said, "I'm not coming here without the mornings." And they figured it out. Ooh, um, Riley wanted the mornings. Yeah, and they said we, it's not feasible. And Frost said, "Class wise." Yeah, and Frost said, "Well, if we can't do it, I'm not coming here." That was like a kind of a negotiable thing at that time. Um, so they're going to stick with the morning at that, you know, as far as what they do. And it will be interesting to hear from Matt Rule more about it. We don't know the spring schedule yet, but we assume they start the week of March 20th. I got to say, Sean, I mean, I was a little surprised when Trev said that last night, that they would go. He said that times may not be exactly the same, but they're going to go morning practices. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that when Frost got here and they laid out why they moved to mornings, it made a lot of sense. Like it gets, it basically gets you on a routine. It keeps you from staying up late. You know, I mean, it, it kind of yep. focus your football right out of the gates to start the day, as opposed to going to class, eating <gasps> snacks or whatever it may right. be, sleeping in. So I mean, it, it makes you start your day ready to go at six or seven a.m. And which I think for a lot of guys, that's a good thing. Oh, if that's I was a player, that's what I'd want. That structure is a good thing. Yeah. People are like, well, how are they going to go to class? It, that's not a problem. You find classes that fit around your football schedule. Like, that's, that's not an issue. So, for me, I mean. That's what I'd want. I'd want morning. Selfishly, I think it's great. Uh, those nights of staying there till 7 o'clock at night, waiting for guys to come out of the locker room. Uh, yeah. I could 
stay away from those forever. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk about Nebraska basketball. Fred Hoiberg and his team have gone just through a laundry list of injuries, Hmm. um, and they've got more things to figure out here as they continue down this brutal stretch. Uh, We're listening here to the Husker Online Show. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washett talking Nebraska basketball, and it's been an unfortunate run of injuries this week as Robin, another major player, arguably two of Nebraska's now five best players out for the season with injuries, and they've just had incredibly bad luck, but this team continues to play hard for Fred Hoiberg, and I think it's really you know, painted a good picture, at least for Hoiberg, the way they've adjusted and played at times this season. Yeah, I mean, you compare this product to the one – last January that we were watching where it was just non-competitive fans were just disgruntled about just how ugly and at times selfish the play was on the court. Uh, this is a completely different story and you really have to tip your cap to Fred Hoiberg for, you know, going completely against the grain of what he has done since he became a coach. And that was always offense pace, um, you know, go out there five out, do the NBA style. Um, he completely restructured everything. He brought in, different-minded coaches. He recruited different types of players uh, and did a, a complete re-emphasis on, on what this program is going to be about. And it's worked. I mean, as far as being able to be a consistently competitive team in the Big Ten, the brand of basketball they're playing right now is far more suited to do that than what they were playing. And um, I think the fans have noticed that. I, every, every fan that I've talked to, uh, you know, they, they like this team. And that was one of the things that Fred says. He says, you're going to like this team. And they do. Now, they're not the most talented. They have severe limitations offensively, especially now with the injuries. But the effort and the work they put in defensively, the commitment to rebounding, and all those things that had been drastically lacking over the last three years, those have all significantly improved. And they're already at 10 wins. Get, you know, a couple more, and that's going to be the best record Fred has had here. Uh, so, I mean, it's, Hello. It's, it's minimal progress, but it's progress. And I think when you take the big picture conversation of just how different this looks compared to what they've been able to do through the first 20 games or 21 games, you know, I think that that, that for me, uh, ends the conversation about them doing anything with Fred and not bringing him back for another year. Well, I'm glad you mentioned you like what you see. Fans like what they see. Most importantly, the boss seems to like it. Mm-hmm. Um, Trev Alberts. I mean, he's he mentions it. Well, anytime he talks about Nebraska basketball now, he mentions how he likes that style. Um, he likes the players that Fred, he really liked Bandamel and Gary, likes them. I shouldn't talk about them. Black shirts. Past. Um, <laughs> they're, they're, they're injured, but he really liked those guys. Um, and he likes the, the boss likes the way they play. He, he should. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 you know what? I had a hard time watching games last year. You I did. and a lot of people. Yeah. I did. I, I, I re, it I, was I, not an enjoyable product. Robin, no, that it was act- like I was doing my taxes. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I, I was like, I got to do this. The afternoon Wisconsin game was brutal. Well, the afternoon year. Northwestern game was brutal when they were down 35 on their home court. Oh, that one I stood and watched it. Oh, I, was, I blocked that one out of my memory. Yes. I was a home <laughs> game. It was <laughs> yeah, a home was. game. I, it was a home game. I stood, I stood watching it. The only thing I've stood and watched in the last 25 years because I was – Utterly amazed was Beavis and Butthead, um, but but, but <laughs> and I was I, I mean the first time I saw it, I was like whoa whoa this is amazing, I mean this is incredible art and but, but the Northwestern thing was was like I just can't believe what I'm watching yeah they're down the, they're down to north they're da- they're down to Northwestern by 35 on their home court yeah now this year. I'm ready for the games. I want to watch them. They're, they're pretty fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, so, like, just go through what they've had to deal with right now. Before the season even starts, mm-hmm. they lose maybe their number two point guard in Karan McPherson to a season-ending knee injury. 
Then their best player, Derek Walker, misses the first five games with a Something. unknown situation. Sam Greasel misses two Big Ten games, one to an illness, one to a hip injury. Blaze Cada has played like a combined like 12 minutes over the last six or seven games with a high ankle sprain. Jawan Gary out for the season with a shoulder injury. Emmanuel Bandamel out for the season with a knee injury. I mean, I've covered Nebraska basketball for a long time now, and they've gone through their share of setbacks. But I can't remember a year where just the totality mm-hmm. of injuries and missed games, missed minutes – um, has been like this to where not only are, are you losing guys, you're losing several. There are four guys that they couldn't afford to be without. All four of them have missed significant time. They've played 10 games together through the first 20. The combination of Derek Walker, Sam Greasel, Juwan Gary, Emmanuel Bendemil have played 10 games from start to finish. Yeah. I mean, for them to be where they are with that, I think says even more to the job that Fred Hoiberg and the staff have done to still be at 500 even with the, those many setbacks and, and hurdles to overcome. And I think you're like me in that I don't expect this team to go away. I mean, you're predict I mean, you're predict, you're predicting them to beat tough teams still. I think they'll keep game I think they'll stay in games. You saw it at Penn State after Bandemel mm-hmm. went down. You would think, "Oh god, they're in, they're in big trouble." They were, but they they played Penn State tough. You know what a lot of it is? It's guys like Tominaga, Denham Dawson, uh, Jamarcus Lawrence, those guys have stepped up, particularly Tominaga. I, I don't think I, sometimes I wonder if he gets enough credit for the way he's expanded his game. He's not just a standstill outside shooter anymore. Mm-hmm. Cuts well to the basket, cuts cuts to the basket without the ball, goes to the basket with the ball. I mean, he's and, and he tries hard on defense. I mean, he's he's just so small. He right. gets matchup he's, problems. He's just got his natural limitations. Yeah. But I mean, for this thing to stay above water and like. <laughs> The, the, still, the schedule's still there. I mean, they still end with a very favorable home slate down the stretch that, you know, I mean, if, if I'm not going to say they're going to make a postseason push here, but at least, at least that opportunity is still there. And if they can get all those other guys you just mentioned to help Derek Walker and help Sam Greasel, they're going to at least have a chance. And, you know, I think for Nebraska fans, it's certainly disappointing thinking about what could have been had this group been able to stay healthy and play the majority of the games together. But despite all of that, this season is already the best one Fred Hoiberg's had. And I think that that gives you reason to believe that as long as they can continue down this path, and they're going to have some stuff to replace next year. I mean, you lose yeah. you lose three of those guys. Um, Gary should be back, but you lose three of those four. Um, so there's going to be a big overhaul in that regard. But I think that they've you – know, we talk about foundation with football and what Matt Rule is doing – I think this has been a big foundation year to where this is what Nebraska basketball's identity is, and it's something that is successful in the Big Ten. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robert Washett, Steve Sibbles. We talked Nebraska basketball. Robin, do you think at some point in SIP as well, do you think at some point Trev Alberts has to come out and just say, like, Trev or Fred Hoiberg will be back next year? Like, do you just not even need to say anything and assume people know I mean, is there is there a tact or an approach that Trev's got to take here on this? Because he's not really even painted a picture that Trev's that Fred's on the hot seat right now. Yeah, I mean, there's those questions are starting to get asked more, like the radio shows I do and on our weekly chat. People are asking, like, is Fred going to be back? Take make your shot. And I'm like, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think the last thing that Trev Alberts wants to do is write another eleven million dollar check for a guy not to coach here, especially after what they went through this last off season. And I think going into this year, it was a deal where as long as Fred didn't force Trev's hand and like make it a, a no brainer decision that he had to go, he was going to come back. And I think he's done more than enough. Uh, it's not just doing the bare minimum. I think they, he's done enough to create some optimism coming out of a year where, uh, you know, the, the fan interest and excitement uh, was about as low as we've seen. Right. Now, it's only fair to give voice to, let's say, fans who are concerned. I mean, you got – there are – I do hear from people who say, quit backing him, Sipple. I mean, this is ridiculous. They're 12 yeah. and 55. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're 12 and 55 in a Big Ten. You can't ignore the record. Nope. Um, I'm I, with you, Rob, though. You do see this – this ch- all these changes made, the style of play, the, the the kind of player he brought in, and you think, okay, he can do this, I think. Yeah. But you're betting on it because you haven't seen – you're betting on it based on not much. No. Right? That's the thing. More transfers next year that we don't know about. Although, Rob, in the chat, you made a good point in the chat. 
it's we always do this thing where Fred's going to flip his roster again. Kind of. I mean, you got a lot of guys back now, like Denham Dawson's back, Jamarcus Lawrence back, um, Tominaga, Keita, Wiltshire. Yeah, maybe Wiltshire. Yeah, maybe we'll Wiltshire. I mean, like, there's, there's you never know with any of these guys. But the guys that – all these injuries, you want to look at a, a silver lining. A lot of young dudes are playing some significant minutes right mm-hmm. now. I mean, Jamarcus Lawrence is playing starter-level mm-hmm. minutes. Uh, and you bring back all these guys that, you know, they're learning on the fly right now. In theory, that should help give you a foundation to build upon going forward. All right, follow Robin's work on Husker Online. He is the best in the business at covering Nebraska basketball. I don't know if that's um, – <laughs> Wow, Sean, I, just stop right there. He's also the best God. ice fisherman in Florida. Get, your, <laughs> get yourself in Jeez. trouble over there. I love – I'm a season ticket holder, by the way. Yeah. But when we you come are. back uh, – You eat a lot of popcorn over there, don't you? Keep that Colby Rich stand going. <laughs> <laughs> when we come back, we'll take your questions in the mailbag. You're listening here to the Oscar Line Show. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washed. As we're moving you through here one week away from National Signing Day, it's time for the mailbag as... Uh, each week, we take your questions off Twitter, off the Red Sea Scrolls. We bring them in in the show. And joining us on the mailbag, got a lot of comments, by the way, Abby, on the introduction um, for you last week, how how um, cringeworthy it really was. So w- welcome back again um, to Another the Husker Online Show. What's that? Another cringeworthy one. Another cringeworthy one. That's my goal. Let's every keep it rolling. Week, every week. Um, but what do you got to start us out with in the mailbag? All right, our first one. Besides the quarterback room, where do you see attrition taking place this spring and summer well i think receiver is is a spot where it definitely has to start right guys yeah i mean really 16 guys that's like an entire baseball team right there like i I don't know i mean i think just naturally you can't keep 16 guys happy especially in today's scholarship portal world so i would imagine there'll be at least some attrition there right other than that i don't where's the position what's it inside linebacker but quarterback well, there's some guys on the inside linebacker room that haven't really even been talked about. Like, if they don't come out of the scrum oh, this year, room. Okay. I'm not going to go through names. No, you don't. I, then people know the names. But there's a few guys in there. There's some of those guys that they, they took in the portal last year at defensive back that didn't really factor this oh, year. Yeah. And some of those guys, if they don't factor this year, what's the long-term? Go outlook? back to inside backer, though. Okay, so you have Reimer and Henrich. Snodgrass. Um, now when you, Taggy. Yeah. Now, when you get down the line, if those guys leave, you need some inside guys. So you better you better be ready to go back in the portal. I mean, Chris Kalerovich doesn't grow on trees. I mean, you, you gotta you gotta find that guy. So again. is MJ Sherman strictly an edge guy? Or That's could, a good question. Or or maybe he, there's somebody you could make an. Inside. Could he play inside I don't too? Know. That's a good question. I mean, I, I don't know. You can't like, get by with Reimer and Henrich, who have both been injury prone. I mean, they are. They're injury prone. They're smaller guys. They're, they're smaller inside linebackers. Oh, I've talked to one of the coaches about this. Those guys are both small inside linebackers in the Big Ten. They're, the, the injury thing is always on the coach's mind. All right, Abby, what do you got next? How are you feeling about the quality and the depth of the current roster heading into spring? And how have you felt about the rosters in recent years compared at the same time? I mean, I think there's a lot of good pieces there. They've got four quarterbacks, for example, that have started Power 5 games on the roster. I mean, that's a good place to start. They've got all of the running backs, and you go down this group of running backs, four of these guys have taken significant Power 5 snaps at running back. They've got enough at receiver. The tight end, as we know, if, if Gilbert and Fedoni come back, they, they could be a factor. If Fedoni comes back and Gilbert's okay. And then you got the O-line, which that's a huge question. If they had Walter Rouse, I think you'd feel really, really good about this offense right now. They do have seven guys with starting experience up front. Mm-hmm. And Nuri Noelli, 
I think is going to have a bounce back year after his suspension season. So that that's one to watch. But the concern, and I think we're on the same page here, Sip, is those 280-plus pound bodies on the defensive front. Absolutely. Now, that's a concern, but you can't – I mean, you they have 10 returning starters on defense. Okay? You're right. I mean, if there's one – thing that makes you wonder about the additions to the rosters they have not added bulk not -hmm. enough I mean they got the offensive lineman from Georgia that's good but they needed Rouse they needed the kid from from Baylor Mazuka Micah Mazuka um and they got they have to add a defensive lineman or two I I was just looking at the other day or guys like Rukon Buckley got to really step Mm -hmm. up yeah yeah so I mean that would be the trenches for me I think everything else you can talk yourself into looking pretty good yeah um but both sides of the line, I think, are still incomplete at this point. Secondary looks good, though. Secondary, uh, Will High, Kenny Wilhite was on, on my show on the ticket. He thinks both Newsom and Farmer are pros. And you heard the new secondary coach say, there's some pros in the room. Gifford's good. Gifford's a good player. Yeah, the, all the guys are back. I mean, their whole secondary's back. Buford's a good player. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there, there's some positions where you look at it and say, not, they're not just acceptable, they're good. Mm-hmm. What do you think is going to be the most improved position and what position needs to be the most improved? Huh. Needs to, for me, is offensive line. Yeah, I think zero question. On that Anyone one. on a different page there? No, yeah. same page. What's going to be? Running back. If they get any kind of blocking. That, that's a good group of running backs. I think they were good. I mean, Anthony Grant was good last year. Obviously, A.J. Allen went down against Oklahoma. So early in the year, game four. Now, the prospect of him coming back, Grant being better, getting a little better blocking, the two guys, Ramir Johnson and Gabe Irvin, continuing to come along. Oh, I think, I think you got a running back room. Emmett I mean, Johnson enters the chat. Yeah, thank you for mentioning him, by the way. I like him. I mean, he's a versatile kid. He's a, I think he's a pretty hard-nosed running back. What about tight end? Like, could that end up being – like, okay, Vokalek was really good. How funny is it, though, when you think about tight end at Nebraska, like – they pushed Jack Stahl kind of out of here. He could have come back another year. Did they? Yeah. Well, he, yeah. He, he, I talked to his dad at yeah. the hotel when they yeah. played Iowa. And yeah. number one, I think he was a little burned that he wasn't a captain. Okay. Like he was the leader of that team and didn't kind of get that. A lot of those guys, like JoJo, Stilly, that's a whole other July discussion. You know, just the way the leadership structures of some of the Frost teams were built. But Stahl, in his mind, was as good or better then Austin Allen and Travis Volkolek. Well, guess who's playing for an NFC Championship game? Yeah, he plays. On an active roster. He plays. Jack Stahl. Yeah. So I saw him give up a sack the other day. I'm a big Volkolek <laughs> I'm a big Volkolek fan. I'm a big Austin Allen fan. But, you know, I, I think they've got potential at that position with Fedoni and Gilbert to be better. Oh yeah. I think you're right. I yeah, mean Fedoni the potential Sean, is there. Sean, you sure. have some I mean, you have some insight on Fedoni. Oh, he looks From really Niles good. Paul. I mean, Niles Paul, mm-hmm. I was at the, and I had this in Tunnel Talk a week ago um, on our site. You know, Niles Paul was at the Warren Academy watching workouts and didn't know Niles or didn't know who Fedoni was. And he's like, damn, who is that guy? Like, he goes, he looks like George Kittle out there. I mean, the way he was running around, the way he moved at his size um, and had no idea, you know, the story of Fedoni. So right now, Fedoni just in gym shorts looks as good as any tight end Nebraska's had a long time. Okay. Interesting. Did you see it too? I I would no, it wasn't at that event. Oh, okay. Niles Paul goes up there. He's retired and he helps Steve Warren um, coach. And you know, Zach Zach Bowman helps Steve Warren too. I mean, there's a lot of guys that are from that era that come around and kind of get involved in in the coaching. Don't you think Fedoni might've done this right in terms of rehab and waiting and not thrusting himself back in there? I think he wanted to play last year. So I mean, somebody did. According it right to his more. social media, he was oh. not happy with the <laughs> yeah. decision to shut him down. But I think the right decision was made. I mean, you got a guy that was coming off two significant knee injuries. That I mean, you got to make sure you're ready to go. You cannot afford another setback. Otherwise, your career might not ever get going. So I think that they made the cautious call. It was yeah. probably the detriment to not have that a weapon like that available. But I think it was the right call just for the, for the long term. I do too. What do you got next, Abby? All right, we have a question from KT's Rob McCartney. Ooh. It seems like there's nearly a nonstop cycle of news regarding commits, transfers, and people entering entering the portal. Does it make you does it change your job? Does it make it harder or hinder you? And can Husker fans kind of spin out of control trying to keep up with it all? It's hard. It's a lot harder. I mean, it's gotten to the point 
over the last, and I knew it, like this 50-day stretch when the portal opened and to now, I knew it was going to be the most intense, like probably stretch we've ever dealt with, and it has been. And, you know, it just comes down to a point where if you leave your house, you have to let people that you work with know that you're going to be gone. Because if there's always been a chance that things can happen with breaking news, visits, whatnot. You bring your computer. I bring my computer everywhere I go now. I mean, it's incredible. Like I have to sit like, you know, when I'm at my daughter's tennis or at her swim practice, I'll be working on recruiting stuff when I'm at the pool or at the tennis courts watching her. I mean, you just can't right now, this time of year, you can't put it down. Like you have to keep being involved in it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's difficult in that regard. It's good. I mean, cause it keeps interest flowing like yeah. there's no dull day in nebraska None. football <laughs> uh so i mean from a fan consumer standpoint it's awesome i mean it's just like non-stop news and you know it, it's the transfer portal changed everything to where like basically every day signing day where you know not just guys committing but defections uh movement and all that sort of stuff so that's a completely different off season there there is no off season and the cup sip the company we work for really helps us like now yeah. on three i mean to have the portal resources that we have, the NIL oh, things God, that yeah. we have built into the company with support to do shows like we're doing right now and the graphics. Oh, it's incredible. I mean, it, it, like that has made this fun um, because we can make this product look better for you because we have great things around us to do that. And that's why I've really enjoyed this. Cause I've done this over 20 years. And I've never had all the things that we have. So it's kind of like a kid in Christmas, all these new toys that we have at on three uh, to bring it out. And, and it shows with our subscribers right now. It shows with our page views. Um, it's been a lot of fun doing all this. I don't know if it'll, uh, Sean, I can't, we always battle on this. I don't know if it's every year it'll be like this. Yeah. I think the coaching change added a whole different I think next year will be pretty wild still. There's going to be some cleanup stuff probably sure. after year one. But yeah, after year one, you hope that it. You, you're right though. You knew this was going to be wild. It's probably a little it was probably a little more intense when I look back on it than I thought it would be. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't expecting Rule to take 38 guys by yeah. February 1. I wasn't expecting 50 below temperature either on signing day either. <laughs> um, go ahead, Abby. Right, final question, Ab. Okay, what is your favorite professional sport and your favorite sports team? Well, okay. It, <laughs> I say NFL. I love the Chiefs, but I'm a baseball guy in the summer. I love the Dodgers. Yeah, I say Dodgers for you. Um, I try to go to a road game. I was already thinking about that this summer. If we can get to Colorado or somewhere to go watch them play um, a road game, but I love to sit outside on my porch, turn on the TV. TV on the porch. Yeah. Okay. Look at the fancy man. Tax bracket. <laughs> <laughs> sit out there with a Coors Light, watch the Dodgers in the Vince Scully era. You'd have Vince Scully on, sitting yeah. outside. It had the Traeger on, grilling. Yeah, so you keep going. I, you, I don't know if I've ever seen you wear team gear outside of the only team gear I wear. Yeah, so oh, yeah. I, that's easy for he me. Looks, he looks like a manager when he has a hat on. I've got a, a, McCook, I've got a McCook Bison t-shirt I'll wear because okay. my friend Jeff Gross, the coach there, there you go. gave me a old – so I'll have that. But you, you won't see me wearing any other team gear than Dodgers. Rob? Easy. New York football giants, NFL. <laughs> Boom. All day, every day for the rest of my life. Better or worse, this was a fun season, a thud of an ending. But you know what? We got the yeah. right leadership, Dable. I say we because I'm a member of the team. Yeah, you I, I've committed myself – I'm a part of this franchise. Safety. You'd be a safety. Yeah. Wouldn't you be a safety? <laughs> Rob, hard-hitting safety. Holder. A little slow. Yeah. Back a up. white and slow. Backup holder. Backup yeah. holder. No, he'd be a safety, not a holder. No. Actually, being a holder is pretty hard. I mean, that ball it fires is. back there. And if you screw up, everybody knows about yeah. it. What do you got, I don't Sid? have one. I, oh, I try. I was I try. hoping. I was looking for this answer. What about the Raiders? I mean, I try. I just, I don't, I can't say that I want. I can't say, I, I can't name four players on the Raiders. What you about, were a Dodgers about boxing? Fan? I mean, I used to like it. You're I tried to get man. into hockey. I kind of like the Tampa Bay Lightning, Nikita Kucherov. Um, I get, I got into the, the the NHL playoffs, like a lot of people do, and I did gravitate towards Tampa Bay, and I did gravitate towards Nikita Kucherov. If you ever, if you know, if you're not a hockey fan, you'll understand. But you ride. He's the kind of player that right away, you're like, ooh, whoa. I mean, the way he handles the puck, the way he skates, he's a freak. I mean, he's a he's a freakazoid. Uh, he's like a I, I'd compare him to a like a point guard that can score 
you know, like a high-scoring point guard like Iverson. Um, it, it was incredible to watch. The hard thing about this job with Sundays is it's hard to watch NFL because yeah. I ride on Sundays, I yeah. work on Sundays, and you well, do too. Traveling, you know, you know. I mean, traveling. So I love <laughs> I love the Chiefs. I like, find the time. Yeah, Robin, <laughs> Robin, like will like <laughs> work Saturday down. night till two in the morning to make sure he can watch the Giants game on Sunday. I've missed a lot of NFL over the years because I've always worked. Yeah, I mean, it's just hard to – and then you got your family too. Yeah. Like, So when I do have time on Sunday, I want to be with my family. Yeah. Abby, what's, what's your favorite? I'm a big Chiefs fan. Woo! Hey, you're oh, a Chiefs yeah. fan? Yeah. Really? I saw a video today of Patrick Mahomes running around at practice. He looked good. So Did that look good? He looked good. I'm excited. wonder what they did. I mean, they got to do something about a high ankle. You ever had a high ankle sprain? Do you think he could feel his foot not. from the calf down? At this point, I I don't know. That did not. It was not good. They're in trouble. Last Abby. Saturday, he was Abby. You're in trouble. Around. Well, then you got Joey Burr coming to town. Yeah. I mean, Josh I'm Shiesty. a little scared, Ooh-wee. Joe Burrow. I got to be honest. He's, he's Mahomes' <laughs> kryptonite. The Chiefs never beat the Bengals. Yikes! Three times <laughs> I mean, in a row. They never sacked Joe Burrow. Great. Zach Taylor just owns Kansas City. Yeah, you know the Bengals have beaten the Chiefs seven of the last eight times. It's crazy if you think about it. I've been having nightmares about them, honestly. So. They looked really good at Buffalo. Really good, the Bengals. Yeah. We're getting them nervous. Yeah. All right. We come back. <laughs> Final segment. Final segment of the show. The first mock draft came out. Break down oh, who yeah. the names are, the Big Ten guys. And is Brian Ferentz leaving Iowa? We're going to hit on all that next. You're listening to the Oscar Online Show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online show, Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple. Uh, Robin Washett, um, thanks again for joining us here. Uh, a reminder, you can download us on the Husker Online podcast channel. You can find us anywhere you locate podcasts. We're everywhere, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, iHeart, you name it. Type Husker Online. You'll find our shows on there. Download, subscribe. Also, though, YouTube. Check us out. We've got um, a very fast-growing YouTube channel, um, pushing 40,000 followers on YouTube. So, uh, follow us there. We put the show on the YouTube stream and check us out at huskerline.com. We got a great special $29.99 gets you access to our site all the way until August 31st. Uh, but gentlemen, let's close on the first mock draft it came out this week. Um, in, in Robin, it's a very mock draft right now. Mel Kuyper, uh, 1.0 draft has Chicago obviously still in the one spot. I think most people assume that they could trade that pick uh, with really anybody that needs a quarterback right now. Yeah, and there's multiple teams that are desperate for quarterbacks. It's a pretty good quarterback draft class. And so right now he has him taking Jalen Carter, um, who very well could be the best overall football player in the draft, but the draft is often defined by needs. And so we'll see what they're able to do with that spot. And assuming that pick gets traded, it's going to shake up a lot of this. But uh, first QB off the board is C.J. Stroud from Ohio State. Sip, you, you've been able to see him over the years. Where do you think he stacks up as far as potential number one overall quarterback? Oh, he looks is, like one, and is, I like is, him. Is, is he in that? Yeah, I like. I mean, it's Bryce Young or Stroud. I, I, like, I love Bryce Young. He's probably my favorite college football yeah, player. Bryce Young is fourth to the Colts. I like him better than Young just because of size. Um, uh, Bryce Young is a little concerning to me. Because he's little and he's not, and he's not super fast like the Arizona Cardinals quarterback. He's just little. I like him. I love him, and I think he'll be a great NFL player. But I take Stroud just size wise. What I what strikes me, I'm gonna tell you something. I'm gonna tell you guys something that really strikes me about this. Well, I saw something on TikTok the other day that floored me. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, easy. Don't go there. <laughs> no, it's football. <laughs> okay, somebody. Okay, it was just a map of the U.S. Okay. And oh, yeah, they drew a circle around where the where the what, the states that have produced sixteen of the last seventeen national championship teams. Very small circle, by the way, right in the southeast. Okay, now look at the D linemen. The, the reason why these teams—not the only reason, but a lot of the reason—Clemson and Georgia, uh, Alabama—they keep winning, winning, winning. 
is because that's where the D linemen are. And look at these where these D linemen are. Jalen Carr, you just mentioned, is from Apopka, Florida, southeast. The, tenth, the, the guy in the tenth slot via Kuypers, a kid from Pittsburgh named Cansey. I can't say his first name, but his, his last name's Cansey. He's from, I think he's from Miami. Um, you could double check that. The, the D lineman at number 19, Deion White from Georgia Tech from North Carolina. That's where the D lineman, look at every D lineman in this, in, in this first round, and you'll see where they're from. They're from the, most of them are either from California or the Southeast. So how do you get them? How do you get them here? How do you get the first round talent to Nebraska? NIL, transfer portal. Yeah. I mean, you got to get creative. And, and SIP, there's only eight Big Ten guys in this 32 man, or 31 man mock draft. Eight. Is that you, 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 you like that number to be bigger? Um, the top two offensive linemen are from the Big Ten on this board right now. Um, Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern is the number one lineman at number seven. And then the number two lineman is Paris Johnson from Ohio State. I believe, Robin, we had those guys one and two in the mm-hmm. ranking the Big Ten series, which we I was not sure a part did. of this year because I was on uh, lockdown <laughs> yeah, on sabbatical. my contract suspension. <laughs> um, Don't bring that up. Uh, but those were, we had those guys one and two, right? Yeah. That's good. That's really good. Speaking of D linemen, Big Ten D linemen, you know, the first – well, the first lineman on the on the mock draft, Lucas Van Ness mm-hmm. from Iowa. He didn't start for Iowa. I mean, he played a bunch, <laughs> right. but he never actually started a game. He's from Illinois now. He's not from the southeast, so you can. But some like of those guys are talk, talk about just like random postseason jumps up a draft board, yeah. like. Uh, you know, Iowa. Like, it's no surprise that an Iowa lineman is in this conversation. They produced a lot of them, mm-hmm. but the fact that that he has making this jump to where he's a borderline top ten pick it wasn't a starter. It wasn't a starter. How, how about um, from Illinois? Sip Devon Witherspoon, the corner. Mm-hmm. They got him going number fourteen, and I was. I'm, a, I'm assuming when Nebraska played them, he was the guy that locked down. Trey oh, he Palmer. was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and remember, remember the conversation. He roughed Palmer up. Yeah, that's what Mickey. Remember, Mickey said that the Illinois was really the first team that played him in such a physical manner, that played Palmer in such a physical manner. He's the number one corner on the board right now, yeah. on this draft board. Now, Palmer will have to show NFL people that he can handle that. He's apparently showing them to a certain extent because you're seeing third-round draft grades already for Palmer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, He made – I mean, literally Matt Rule went on college game day, and then, like, the next tweet was, like, Trey Palmer's announcement that he went pro. Yep, that's yeah. right. Which, it was that, that day. Which – no surprise. Not really. Yeah, I, mean, I think that was his plan, regardless of who his Nebraska head coach was going to be. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we uh, wrap up discussion. Are you guys on board with Will Levis as a top five pick? Give your benefits from Josh Allen. I, I just think those NFL people see Will Levis becoming something like Josh Allen. He's big. Look, at, look how big he is. He's a, he's a physical runner like Josh Allen. Now, can he throw like Josh Allen? Not right now, I don't think. But maybe they seem becoming a more and more even, like that. And, Robin, you watch a lot of pro football. Even those quarterbacks can get that fourth and one, third and one QB sneak. That's all of a sudden become a huge, like, valuable part of NFL football to QB sneak the one yard you need. Which I don't know why that is, like, all of a sudden new. Like, <laughs> seems like the most simple play in football and weird. Mm-hmm. It's working when you just run the ball forward. But you for, be, like, Mahomes yard. is not doing it very much. He can't do it. But that big, that Blake, uh, not Blake Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence does it. Blake Lawrence might at some point. Big guy. Um, big guy. Hey, he Trevor, played quarterback in high school. Yeah, like, yeah. Kyler Murray's probably not doing that that much. He's right. going to line up and shotgun and try to run around guys. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, I remember that game where uh, Will Levis was still at Penn State oh, and yeah. Sean Clifford got hurt and they brought in Levis and like they couldn't throw the ball like or at least didn't want to yeah. and they just ran QB power for the entire game and I mean, he was basically a running back he, out there. He, he caught my eye uh, he did that day Parker I, Gabriel was questioning you at that yeah moment. I, I was telling Parker Parker I think would verify this I was saying man that guy Levis and he's like simply he's not that good I'm like oh yeah yeah he can play I should have probably been an NFL scout, maybe NFL coach. He went in the portal, and I remember um, <laughs> Nebraska, when they were trying to get a quarterback to like compete against Adrian going into 2022. Yeah. Or sorry, 2021. Excuse me, 2021. They followed him on Twitter when he oh, went in the did. portal. Um, but Oh, he would have looked good at Nebraska. 
but I mean, nobody was looked, coming here. He would have. He he ran. He ran the ball like Frost used to run it. Can I say Frost on these airways? <laughs> um, he he ran the ball like that. He's a, he was a tough physical. Like he was a very strapping runner. You know, tough. All right, run over guys. Final thought. You think Brian Ferentz is heading to New England to join Bill O'Brien on that staff? Is that kind of his parachute out of Iowa yeah. City? Is this Kurt? That's what Iowa guys were talking about back when Nebraska was playing Iowa? Mm-hmm. That's what they were saying. Those like the Iowa riders. And there's like kind that. of a coordinator position on that New England staff below, like a title, title, a title position. Uh, Mike Reese, the Patriots writer for ESPN, um, did mention that there's like a a title position on that staff. So it would make sense for Brian Ferentz to fall into that. But does Bill Bell, I mean, I'm assuming Belichick would want Brian Ferentz. I I don't know the parameters there. Yeah. I mean, it's one that's been, like you said, linked for a long time here. So it would make a natural out for Kirk to be able to replace his son without having to fire him and giving him, uh, Brian, I guess what you would perceive as a step forward to take an NFL job. Uh, So I think, it's a natural solution for problems. I question what that resume has done to earn an NFL job, but you know, NFL NFL ideas of coaching are a little different than they are in college. Well, here's the other thing, Sip. I think Brian Ferentz at one point thought he would be the head coach of Iowa. <laughs> I mean, that was that, five years ago. Yeah. Oh yeah. Pre weight room and all yeah. those things that happened there. He was the guy. Yeah. That ain't happening now. No, probably not. I mean, someone like Jay Norvell has a better chance to be the next Iowa coach than Brian Ferentz. Yeah. I, don't I mean, know I'm just throwing I... out Mark Stoops, Bob Stoops. I mean, <laughs> Bob Stoops would be pretty significant. Um, I, Jay, I think Jay's got to do a little bit. He's got to do a little more in terms of wins and losses at Colorado State. Iowa could add Bielema at one point, too. I mean, there's a lot of guys Iowa could have had as their mm-hmm. successor to Ferentz and Oh, I like the Norvell idea a lot. It makes a lot of sense. Hey, Bob Stoops, Sean, I mean, he's, start, he's 60. Mm-hmm. I guess that's not too bad, but I don't How know. How the hell is he 60? <laughs> you think he should I'm be 42. Young. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm always wonder, I always wonder about Stoops. Um, like, I wondered if Harbaugh, if Harbaugh would have left for the NFL, which he's staying at Michigan, if, if he would have left, would, would Bob been in that conversation? I don't know. I don't know what Bob wants to do, but man, he'd look good at Michigan. You know? Well, I think it, that Michigan job, a lot of people would come out of the woodwork for if it opened. I mean, it, there'd be. Well, I don't know, Sean. Like, there's that's a that's a strange job, and it. it's got to be the right type of guy, the right type of fit. There's certain guys, like Rich Rod, that didn't fit, and I don't think they'd go that way again. You know, like a spread offense guy, um, offense. Brady Hope was kind of too boring for the job. He fit though. He fit. But he just didn't, didn't bring win. a lot of pop. No, he fit, but he didn't win. Yeah, now you how find. much the bar has been raised there, too. Oh. I mean, they expect national championships. Well, playoff, now 12-team playoff, they got to be in the playoff four out of five years. Well, yeah, so Harbaugh, the, the, the Harbaugh. pressure is much more than it was when Jim Harbaugh took over. Well, now it's the pressure to win a national that's championship. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and there's good, that's good pressure. He's got his quarterback back. He's got Blake Corum back. He's got a lot back. So, yeah, I, I mean, he came back. And now the expectation will be win a national championship. All right. Well, make sure you follow us on Husker Online. Once again, download, subscribe to our podcast. Uh, subscribe to us as well on YouTube. And uh, make sure you're on HuskerOnline.com as we get you ready for National Signing Day next week. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 